Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. We are recording again live right after day two of MEP Force, and I have most of my, my panel here. <laughs> Jake Olson and Amy Peck are, are back with us, and James Simpson is en route to the Atlanta block party that's happening in person. It's very exciting. Gonna make First it, time. Party, but not the podcast. Is that is that what I'm hearing? That's right. He's coming for the party. You know, the guy knows how to plan it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Real people, beer party, or another Zoom meeting. That was an easy decision for James. That's right. We uh we got the ditch on that, but we'll we'll catch up with him later, I guess. Uh, so day two started off with Clay Smith's CEO of, of Evolve MEPs keynote address, uh, really talking about embracing disruption was kind of the, the overarching theme, dove into a couple different areas from there. But uh, let's start with in the embracing of disruption. How do you guys see construction and the trades embracing disruption? Amy? Who wants to start? Shall I start? Well, I think, I think we touched a little bit on this yesterday, and I think there... I think a lot of what we're we're hearing, you know, in all of the keynotes in, in general, and even the the panels and the breakouts, is is you know how, how do we? It's it's not just disruption really. It's I I think disruption probably has that that kind of Silicon Valley like slightly negative connotation to it, and really what it is is just rethinking how we think about innovation. Right. And, and how, you know, I think, you know, that this particular talk kind of talking about what is, what is a single source of truth and, you know, how we get there. And I think we talked a little bit yesterday too, about, you know, some of the arcane systems that we're dealing with, right. In, in terms of, you know, wiring together older systems, I think with, with newer software and this sort of, you know, API culture enables a lot more of us being able to wire together new solutions. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I've read, a couple of interesting articles. One is talking all about how you need to move to newer software, have uh, you know open source wherever possible, and and leverage APIs. Others say if you have, if you're sitting on top of an sort of an arcane ERP system, you can live with it for another decade or so. But you need to start in parallel thinking about how you're going to. Um, move over to a more modern system, and I think that makes everyone very, very tense. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'd love to hear Jake, kind of your opinion on, you know, your specifically with your customers. Like, you know, how are they integrating new software? Yeah, I think um, it, it's interesting. I think the discussion about what's the art when we're talking about our software solution you know, the architecture that it's built on is something that's coming up more and more from contractors, which, which I love, because those are questions that should be asking, you know, how, how is your software architected? What type of, um, you know, general model do you have? What are the, what's your service level agreement? You know, those are conversations that I think it's great that contractors are starting to think about, you know, software as a tech stack, as scalability and, you know, those of us who are built on kind of modern cloud stack will tell you how easy it is to scale our software, how easy it is to take advantage of new technologies that exist and plug them into our system makes it very scalable. Whereas I've got, if I've got a 10 year old, um, you know, installed software, or even, I hate to say it, even some of the cloud softwares from 10 years ago, they're pretty monolithic in their code base, which, which, you know, if you think about what 
how do I pick a software vendor that's going to come with me and, and not get disrupted themselves? <laughs> you know, how do me and my software partner not get disrupted? Um, I, I think that is a important, um, I'm, I'm in, impressed the contractors are looking more towards how are you architected? How scalable, how scalable are you? What's your release cycle? That's another good one. How fast can you push out features, your team? Um, for me, those are ways to not get disrupted. And the fact that we're at least starting to have those conversations, um, I think is, um, it's never too early to think about getting disrupted, but it's, it's, I'm pleased to see the industry starting to have that awareness that this disruption is real. Um, Todd, I don't know if you were in that last class I was in, but you know, the, the book you, you have to read if you haven't read it is Clayton Christensen's Innovator's Dilemma. And I mean, it, it's just the iconic, I mean, I think it's 20 years old now, but it just perfectly defines how stagnant, what doesn't seem like a stagnant industry becomes one and also be, becomes a laggard really quick as you know, technology pushes into different businesses and areas. Yeah, Jake, I think you bring up an interesting point that as a, a software provider yourself, how do you inject confidence in your clients and give them confidence that Dato isn't going to be disrupted or, uh, you know, that, that you guys are staying on, on top of that? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not easy. I think there's, there's architectural questions that should be asked. You know, how is, how is the software architected? How scalable is it? Um, how well can can we adapt to change? And you know, we you can kind of walk through kind of a technical evaluation of the software, where it's hosted, um, APIs. What do you what data do you share in and share out? You know, how do you work with other systems? I think those are good evaluation questions. Um, but there's a whole lot of other questions. You know, is the business viable? Is the you know is there a future for the company? Is the business going to be here in five years? That that those are very real questions. I think contractors need to consider. Uh, when looking at technology and, you know, look at it, just because you're a big established software provider doesn't mean that you're any more defensible. I mean, you might be more at risk than a young startup who's built on the latest, greatest tech. So I think, you know, you look at the Blackberries or, or whatever else and, you know, pick your case study of, uh, you know, fall from grace. So that part, I think we, the industry has some education to do around it just because it's, you know, whatever, a hundred, a 20 year old company with, with a thousand customers and a hundred million in revenue doesn't mean it's a safer bet um, five years from now than maybe a younger startup. And I think, like I said, there's education there. And I think people are waking up to asking the questions about architecture, about traje trajectory, development ability. And, and those are good. That's the interview that should be happening from you know, a contractor CTO or, or innovation lead. Yep, Todd's getting a lot of <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, James Simpson <laughs> just came in here now, so oh, he's out. He yeah, missed he missed yeah. his opportunity. Oh, yeah. all right now. Oh, so he he's gets here, to be, yes. now he gets to be IRL. <laughs> he gets to yeah. crash some. Yeah. I missed uh, my window of opportunity to get over there. Yeah, let's see. We're back. Welcome to the party. Yeah. We were welcome. That you welcome. welcome. Oh, just coming into the, I would the party. <laughs> we thought you were only coming for happy hour. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> that is a perk. <laughs> well, I mean, while we're waiting to get you guys all, uh, get your sound organized, I, I really like the thing that, that you mentioned, Jake, about just kind of asking the right questions and, you know, how, how are you architected? I think that those are 
um, you know, and I think companies really need to kind of understand, like, you know, the, 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 these are the technologies we're using today, you know, are you able to communicate with, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, that are part of this particular workflow. And I think, you know, with, with some of the clients that we work with just on um, kind of overarching strategy, that's one of the first questions, um, you know, that, that they ask is like, what's, what's the viability of this technology, whether it's a hardware or software. And we actually will go in and we'll pull a whole report on how much funding they've gotten, you know, what, what, what we estimate their runway to be. If I happen to know the VC, I'll get the VC on the phone. Um, we'll talk to there if they have a venture arm, we'll say, look, is this, do, do you guys invest in these types of, of companies? And if so, you have to think about whether you'd be prepared to invest in a company like this, you know, further on, which could be beneficial for, for both of you, right? Because you could carve out a, a sort of a customized piece of the stack for yourself to give you that competitive edge, but then also ensure the survival of the company moving forward. So those are all really, really salient points that I think sometimes people really miss. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a really interesting one. And I think, you know, we've seen some great partnerships when it's kind of a mutually beneficial relationship in a lot of different ways. You know, you're, you're solving a real pain for the customer. You're solving a problem, hopefully making them more profitable. But if you can do that and both share in the, in the rewards, whether you have customization, um, you know, competitive advantage because you've invested or because you put the time in, uh, or even just financial returns. It's not a crazy model. You see more and more contractors that are actually, you know, using their inside knowledge to how technology is working in their business to basically have an inside seat on, on investing in these companies, which is, I think, I think we'll see a lot more of that. We, we are certainly um, seeing that in our little corner of the woods. It's great. Autodesk Construction Cloud helps specialty contractors work more productively every day. The world's leading specialty contractors rely on ACC to drive company profitability by ensuring quality, winning more work, and reducing risk as they deliver more complex projects faster. Autodesk offers the best solutions across the project from design detailing to pre-con and field execution into a single platform connected in a common data environment. With Autodesk Construction Cloud, teams are able to win more work by streamlining the pre-construction process, issue more bids, and increase bid accuracy. They can mitigate risk by avoiding rework and mistakes by always working from the latest plans and documents. They can increase profitability, get insights into project success drivers to maximize returns on every job. They can capture more work, leverage BIM models in the field for work in place tracking and schedule sequencing. They can connect crews connecting the field and office through faster and more sustained technology adoption. And finally, they can ensure quality, build it right the first time, avoid clashes in the field with automated clash detection. For specialty contractors, this results in more productive field and office teams, delivering value and exceeding customer expectations and better business outcomes. To learn more directly from the Autodesk team at MEP Force, check out their on-demand session how subs can leverage data to power business results and their live roundtable with the queen of prefab herself, Amy Marks on August 30th at 3.30 PM Eastern. So one of the other uh, kind of themes that, that came out of Clay's keynotes was the opening the lines of communications and 
really trying to get more uh, foresight and knowledge at, around the materials and the, the labor part and leverage data better. Sorry, everybody, for the background noise. We are live <laughs> in the in-person event. It's fantastic. You should you see all the, the bathroom over there. Like, I'll just keep coming in closer to the microphone every five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Coming live from the third stall. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, James, uh, with Clay being the, the keynote today. Yeah. What uh what's evolved doing to, to help I, I know that he was talking about foresight or evolved materials rolling yeah, out and all yeah. that stuff well i mean the the general idea is um you know everything's funneled through bim and a lot of for a lot of reasons right but there's obviously downstream workflows as well that there there's always an opportunity to connect that and solve those pain points downstream by leveraging what's there in the bim model right um or maybe not what's there in the bim model and somehow linking that back there as well so uh, that's definitely a big focus, but one of the things that uh, Clay Freeman spoke about was really that lighthouse partnership um, with, with any customer that's willing, right? And that's incredibly important just because, you know, it, it shortens the feedback loop of ultimately giving the best product to the customer, right? Which is the most important thing for everybody involved. So um, I, I think that was one thing that I was kind of coming in and I was hearing is that when I first sat down was just about how integral that's really becoming in, in just software development. It's just those true partnerships versus just developing and, Hey, is this what you guys need? Getting that feedback early and often. So um, both of those things really. Mm -hmm. I think, I think inquiring minds would like to know what the fish special is today, since you guys have an inside track. <laughs> <laughs> It looks good. It is in, in full prep mode. <laughs> what you got cooking over there, Steve, right now? Oh, man, I have a tomato bag of sauce. It's going to be amazing. Nice. Could you guys hear that? What was it? Uh, I couldn't pronounce it if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> it's too sophisticated for me. Oh, this is a, an inside scoop for the podcast. Here we go. Here's oh, oh, Steve Downer, there go. our executive Whoa. chef tonight. Is that what, what What have you got going on over there? Because it What's sounds working? amazing. I can't oh smell God, it, but be, it sounds it's amazing. Gonna be, it's going to be so good. So I'm doing a pan seared and roasted salmon. We have a uh, a Dijon, like a herb reduced Dijon cream sauce that's going to go with it with a chini de pepe pasta, like little, like almost couscous, but like actually pasta, not the Moroccan style. So good. Oh, nice. It's going to be served with roasted vegetables. We have some charred corn. It's going to be just amazing. Yay. Okay. I'm very excited. I should, okay, see, I should, nice. you should be. <laughs> take that That's knuckle great. draggers barbecue in Austin yeah. and Denver. <laughs> That's like a $150 meal. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so on the, the siloed information uh, and having all these kind of individual data lakes of, of different, you know, vendor providers, but also homegrown Excel spreadsheets as well too. How do we find the, kind of the, the root cause and, and pull that out by the roots to help foster that collaboration that you guys have been talking about. I, Todd, I went to, I think my first AU Autodesk University was like 2011 or something like that. And I remember the keynote was about single source of truth and breaking down the silos and the, uh, you know, this, this is it, this is going to be our year, whatever that was, 2011. Um, I love that we're still trying to solve the problem because that's good. It means it's worth, it's worth solving. It means we've made a lot of progress in the last decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it means that we're still I, trying to solve the problem. I, ha I have this conversation a lot. I, I'm not sure we have made a lot of progress. I actually think in, in one way we're creating more data lakes and silos as more software enters the industry. And I know this is a little 
anti what you wanted me to say, but um, I, I get my own opinion on this, right? Is that? <laughs> no, you have to toe the party. Toe the party line, yeah. I actually think the problem is getting worse. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, maybe it's not a problem we need to solve. We just need to figure out how to optimize around it. But um, there's a ton, I mean, compared to 2011 to now, there's so many more opportunities to create a data lake now, whether that's through scan data, through VR data, through Revit, you know, BIM data, through just all the stacks of paper we deal with that, you know, in a lot of ways, it's getting harder to get a single source of truth. And, um, you know, maybe maybe the optimization is learning how to work in the ambiguity of multiple sources of truth and stop trying to like build the one platform that rules them all, but figure out how you kind of optimize in the fact that you're going to have multi silos on a project. So yeah, I always think about that. And I listened, I loved, um, you know, Clay talking about how do we merge Revit data and field data into one place? Because it's not always the BIM isn't always going to be accurate, and and those are good conversations. But um, that's my reaction to trying to solve the source of truth, only because I've been hearing it for ten years, and <laughs> seems like we still have a lot of silos. Well, yeah, I, I think I the key is intentionality now that you have to really think it through on the front side. Of I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. What is your plan? How are you going to do it? You can have silos of, of information that's not necessarily evil in and of itself right but know that this is going to be your silo and then have a plan for how are you going to access that information because it lives somewhere else and not just have it that one person knows that it lives somewhere else and nobody else has any access to it right yeah how, you know how do you embrace the fact that we're going to have silos and then optimize your business around it um and you know maybe there's an inter silo interoperability or something we need to have in some areas but in other places, maybe not. I mean, maybe it's okay for point clouds to live um, in in their own optimized server and not have to be in BIM three sixty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think we also I, I would I would challenge the notion that we live in an age where there's oh, this is my son facetiming me, so we're just gonna have to wait on that. Good time. Um, bring him in. But, um, I could I could literally just bring yeah, the more him the merrier. Right Come on, this is <laughs> so mortified. It's like, hey, you're live. Now you can't do it to him. Um, he'd be very mad. Yeah, we only do that to James. Like, he, yeah. he comes so in. He's hey, trying to set up five with a former client of mine as I sent him because I couldn't go. <laughs> She's in LA. But um, I would argue that we don't live in a in a time now where there is such a thing as a single source of truth. Uh, I would argue that the the very nature of you know innovative companies now are ones that are able to kind of maintain their fluidity while still pushing forward and and finding creative ways to wire together data when they need it in the context in which they need it. And so, you know that and that's where software really comes in. And it's also where AI and machine learning come in to help us kind of parse these massive data sets. And, you know, we should be sending out queries kind of daily as opposed to just assuming that something that we built a month ago, you know, well, probably a little longer than that, but a year ago or two years ago is still gonna be relevant today. Bueller. Sorry, it took me a second to, to find that mute button. <laughs> That was so I was impactful. I do it with my left hand, and turns out I, I not coordinate with my left hand at all. It's the reason why I'm a right hand. Uh, and I just lost my train of thought there. But 
this one's going great. I'm, I'm excited. We are, for this episode. We are professionals. That's right. uh, so supply chain was another big theme coming out of Clay's talk with the launch of materials and everything. How do the trades and construction protect against the volatility that's happening right now with the, the chaoticness of supply chain? For me, I've been in a several uh, pretty high level kind of trade group conversations in the last month. Um, and it's funny how important this topic's become all of a sudden. And I think everything from in inventory management to commodities, you know, forecasting to um, just pure ordering efficiency, I think has become, whether or not it was the pricing surges that escalated that or the move to fabrication, or of course, you know, construction boom, tightened schedules. And if you don't have material, you can't build, you can't build. Um, I think it is going to be, you know, the next big mountain that a lot of, especially subcontractors climb, and there'll obviously be great solutions that are brought in along the way. Uh, your question was, how do you protect yourself against that? I think right now we have a very non-digital process. You go to most contractors and ask them what's in their shop right now today, and what is the cost of that material versus what they could buy it at today. You know, how many people can answer that question? So, uh, you know, you got to really get into the, you know, first in, first out, you know, inventory costing, inventory management. And, you know, that's a great place to arbitrage. If you've got a balance sheet of cash, you can, and you've got a spot buy on co copper for something like that. These are things that manufacturing engineers think about. Uh, I think as construction moves in that way, we're going to hear a lot more about those types of conversations, um, you know, commodities, futures, and inventory management, cost of you know, cost of goods sold, thinking about that as a raw material going into your process. So uh, I think this is a really long answer, but the step one is actually treating supply chain materials like a true manufacturing operation and putting a digital process in for inventory management and purchasing. And I think that'll be, again, I think that's a great opportunity for the industry to, to um, change the way we build. Yeah, we see we see these trends coming too. So if you are in a position to sort of you know react to changes in the market um, or other supply chain factors, um, but not everyone is is able to do that, right? Not everyone's able to stockpile or pre-buy or even you know have the resources to have that kind of information. Um, so it's it's really kind of you know living living with whatever your current capability is trying to expand it and trying to get in front of the problem but you know paying attention to some of the market the clear market factors that, that we've been facing um, is is one, is one way to shore that up but there's no magic bullet <laughs> no I yeah unless you digitize it you can't even start to answer those questions and then once you do you still are are at the the whims of you know market pressures that are really hard to uh, forecast but I mean, there's got to be a better solution than like one fast and all truck driving to the job site with like three sticks of conduit on it every day uh, or, you know, half a pallet of, of fittings or something. The whole truck is going there with one little, you know, one little pallet on it. And how often are we on job sites where that truck shows up every single day? <laughs> and whatever the price is that day is what they're paying for those, you know, fittings. Like this will, I think, significantly change in the next decade. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries 
by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit ASTI.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, definitely. James, I know you're on the mechanical side of things yep, and yep. not so on the, the Evolved Materials side, but for the podcast audience, what is Evolved Materials? How are they coming at it for the supply chain? And maybe talk some of 5.0 release too. Yeah, so for materials specifically, it's really about pretty much what we're talking about, right? You know, um, you know, how do you centralize that information that uh, about your material, whether it's purchasing, um, you know, how often you're ordering, uh, what are my lead times on certain things. And when you're funneling all of that through an actual um, kind of dedicated solution, you're able to pull those analytics out in the back end and then use that as kind of a leverage point to your suppliers, right? Hey, uh, supplier A, your average lead time on this part last year was X, right? And supplier B says they have no lead time on that part for some reason and be able to really utilize that um, to just at least broach those conversations with those same suppliers and ultimately gain a lot of efficiency internally, right? Knowing, um, you know, what's on, or, or if that thing's on site yet, uh, you know, your field can track that and know when it's going to be there, um, more efficient ordering kind of from, from downstream back up. There's a lot of internal efficiency. But what I'm most excited about really is how the kind of really empower contractors to leverage that data to have those conversations with suppliers um, kind of on, on the front end. Uh, but as far as for mechanical and electrical 5.0, uh, I won't touch too much on it just because I, honestly, I could probably talk forever about it. Uh, it was definitely a labor of love, but tons of stuff in there and really mainly about um, the, the package or the, the prefabbing workflow more than anything, tons of improvements around whether it's a uh, uh, kind of flexibility for your hangers, multi-tiers, um, spooling workflows, packaging in general. I could, I could just rattle off a whole list, right? But it's really just about, once again, driving that efficiency for prefabbing workflows. And then my honest personal favorite, just customization, right? Because not only does, is, Contracting is also one of those things where every every contractor is at least minutely different, right? It's never 100% the same. From even it could be within the same sister company, right? And it's everything's just slightly different. So customization is the key, and so uh, that was a big focus of 5.0 as well. So two things I'm definitely very happy about um, to, to kind of see come to fruition. All right, I stand corrected. There is a magic bullet, and, and it's called Evolve. <laughs> oh nice that's how you get invited your back. check is in the mail amy <laughs> venmo i take venmo I'm good. <laughs> james uh, i uh in a former life did a lot of non-structural support design and anchors design and i was really impressed with the point load work you guys have been um i mean there's always there's never ending amount of work you could do there but is that a little, I'd love for you to just comment on that a little bit, how it came to be and, and kind of the value you're, or is that, I assume a feature your customers have been looking for. And then, you know, where does it go from there? Do you seismic and. Yeah, and, no, that's a great question. Um, so the point loads in general was one of those, and this is 
in a way it's funny, but I really love this, this example because it speaks to what really listening to your customers get you. Right. And it was, you know, we assumed on the front end that point loads needed to be just that right to the detail level of a structural engineer, because what's the point in doing it if it's not 100% accurate. Right. So we were really focused a ton of time um, and ultimately just never were able to fully execute on giving that feature to customers because trying to get those things accurate and the overwhelming feedback we kept receiving, um, the more we asked where it was, listen, I just need something basic. I just need to be able to put something there so I can tell the structural engineer I did a good faith effort and, and you know, ultimately at least just have some kind of data there um, to fulfill my own requirements. And so that's what we really executed on, um, at, at least this first round, just a basic implementation to at least give them that ability that the kind of they, they wanted that, that basic ability and then iterate of course is needed. Right. But just kind of an example of being agile. Um, and so that was one that I'm excited about, but then yeah, long-term tons of possibilities there. We've talked a lot about different seismic options. Um, obviously starting off basic once again, and iterating, uh, but yeah, yeah. A lot of long-term possibilities building off that definitely. Yeah, cool feature for sure. I was real, I was very impressed watching that part. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So, in kind of final wrap up, Jake, you brought up the uh, optimizing your tech stack with the construction dorks roundtable at the end of the day. Any other kind of takeaways from that roundtable? Uh, yeah, it was a good one. I think um, you know they got into I guess going back to evaluating kind of the architecture and looking at how software systems fit together as an important part. Um, one of the, the sidebar conversations I thought was great on that was lean on your software vendors. And I'm speaking as a software vendor, you know, lean on your software vendors to tell you how you're doing in rolling out a platform. So, you know, we on the software side, I mean, I know usage statistics, how's it going? Are they, you know, discovering new features? Is it getting, is it being implemented in a way that I'm happy with as a software supplier? But very rarely do we, you know, does the customer want to see that data? And, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for benchmarking. And I, you know, I can say, hey, look, you know, contractor, this is the percent of the features you're using or the amount of usage. But for a contractor in this space, this is actually what we'd expect over here. Or you're you're crushing it. <laughs> like this is, a, you have a full implementation. It's going great. You should be very happy. But that was, a, I thought, a really good conversation. I think it had a lot of interest from the audience. Just how do you leverage the, you know, we as software providers, we have metrics that we want to see to know that it's a good rollout, a good implementation, it's going well. How does a contractor benefit from those same metrics? And, and why aren't we taking advantage of that? So that was a great pivot. And, and I think that part of the conversations, if, if everybody has a chance to go back and listen to it, was, was a very good one. Well, people can. That's, all those sessions are on demand. Shameless plug. and you can get access to everything. And for those who haven't registered yet, not too late for you too. Registration's still open. Also, any other construction dorks is the best name ever. I don't know who came up with that, but that's that is an absolute win. The best part is before you start going live with the construction dorks and hearing the conversation that they have like in the, yeah. the virtual green yeah. room of, of what they're they're talking about. You yeah. never know what's gonna come out of any of their mouths. It's very so. true. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, I find that on, on podcasts too, that by the end, 
you know, when you stop recording, you get some of the best conversations. And by the way, everything that we talk about when we're done here today is gold. So I'm sorry that you're going to miss all that because we're, yeah, we become amazing as soon as the recording stops, even better than now. That's right. That's right. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. <laughs> Any other final thoughts on day two so far? I just want to get there for the salmon. Yeah, well, you should. It's, sorry, it's, Jake, it's starting, yeah, this out. It's yeah. starting to really come together. I can smell it. <laughs> I've also been told, Jake, uh, from Emily, to mention all the Dato feedback forms. For those that are attending MEP Force, submit your feedback. Dato, you guys have been awesome in supplying all of our, mm -hmm. our feedback forms. We want to hear from people from MEP Force. So if you haven't gone in, rate and review the I was about to say the podcast because that's uh, <laughs> second nature to me. But rate and review the breakouts <laughs> from MVP Force. <laughs> Absolutely, super easy to do. Everybody's got uh, access to data. Uh, go in and complete a feedback form. And uh, Todd, I'm sure that's important for you guys to make this conference better and better every year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Looking forward to, to capping it all off tomorrow with our our final panel. Yeah, definitely. Great. Glad you could join us. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> nice work, James. We, we we thought about waiting for you, and then Todd's like, nah, yeah, I know he's yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll get it over there shortly, so I'll see you soon. Enjoy the party, Hurry guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. And hopefully, you're attending MEP Force. If not, there's still time to register. Go to MEPForce.com, use promo code BTG to get access to the on-demand recordings of the sessions that you have missed so far. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.